Welcome, Welcome to Pushing the Limits, the podcast that gets deep into the psyche of extraordinary achievers across all genres, cutting to the chase to unlock the secrets of their success, their achievement, philosophies, and motivations. Join us in the quest to find out what makes the movers and shakers of our world tick and what gems of wisdom we can learn from them. Now, over to your host, Lisa Tamati. Welcome to Pushing the Limits and today I have a very, very special guest. We have someone who's an absolute sporting legend in this country, but he's far more than that. Sir John Kerwin, former All Black, uh, the most prolific try scorer, absolutely devastating on the wing. He has scored over 35 test tries in uh, 67, uh, 63 tests for the, for the All Blacks. He was part of the 1987 World Cup team and he will always be known as one of the greatest All Blacks of all times. He went on after his playing career to be a, a rugby coach, uh, coached for the uh, Auckland Blues assistant coach firstly before going to Italy where he was the national coach of the Italian team and later the national coach for the Japanese team. But he is far more than just a sporting legend. He's also a very great man who's spoken openly about his uh, fight with depression and with mental illness and has done a lot of work uh, in this area and has written two books on the subject. So without further ado, I'm going to hand it over to Sir John Kerwin. Um, But just a small note, I forgot to push the record button <laughs> in the first minute of the podcast so please excuse me but the first minute um, is not recorded and we dive straight into Sir John talking about his coaching career but now it's over to Sir John Kerwin. I looked into um, you know whether I felt that I was right for coaching moving forward and I guess I guess the answer was um, no, I didn't want to coach anymore. So then the next question I asked myself is, you know, what do I really want to do? So um, I decided that I was going to spend the rest of the life doing things that I love. Um, <laughs> that sounds like a damn good idea. Yeah, so once, once you decide that, you just write them down and away you go. So um, obviously I'm very, very passionate about mental health. Mm. So I'm creating a um, a uh, automatic tool that will go into the workplace to help people with their mental health. As you know, our um, our health and safety laws have changed. So not only do you have to look after the health and safety of your people, you also have to look after their mental health. Yep. And I think there's a genuine shift from from uh, you know from boards and from from CEOs. I think they genuinely care about their people on a majority of the time, but they just actually don't know what to do. Yep. So I want to take I want to take that uh, problem off them, and just build and just build this product which we're building at the moment. Fantastic. Um, and I'll look after the mental health of your people. So I'm doing that. Um, I've brought a I've brought into a little health food company that deal. It's a New Zealand company that deals with fulvic acid, which is a mineral acid mm-hmm. um, that you extract out of the ground and then drink, and it's really for stomach health. Wow. And so we're building that as a startup. Um, my daughter and I have a little wine company called JK14. <laughs> and, uh, we're in selected uh, selected restaurants and also online. Uh, so I did that. Yep. And um, I also 
uh, do television work. So I also work for um, Sky Television at the moment, doing a show called Breakdown, mm -hmm. and I'll be doing um, All Black Games and the Lions series. And on a Thursday night, I also have a new program with uh, my good mate, Ricardo Solizzo, live on Facebook, which is um, on the All Black Facebook page. And we just talk about rugby and, wow. and that sort of stuff. So, so yeah, you've that's embraced, all I'm doing. You've embraced your entrepreneurial side to the max by the sound of it. And and yeah. and the socials, you know, social world, the new technologies and everything. We haven't been left behind. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I have, I have, <laughs> but I just think that it's uh, it's something that um, I, I sort of think life's a choice. Yep. So um, what with with social media, I try and um, and my telephone and stuff, I try and control it rather than it controlling me. Oh, can so, you, yeah. Can you I tell me have, how to do that? Facebook. I don't have Facebook, but I do have. Um, I do have Instagram, and I have a. Um, you know, I have uh, a little um, WhatsApp that I communicate with my immediate family. Yep. So yeah, I'm branching out, and the whole idea of this Facebook um, television show is, you know, everyone at the moment is concerned about what the future looks like for media and mm. and communication. So. You know, like I said to someone the other day who doesn't like computers, well, you you better learn enough because who knows when we're 75, might not be any nurses or anything like that. You might have to turn yourself on and off, you know. <laughs> I, think it's def I think you're right. And if we don't, um, I, I've sort of come to the same conclusion with all my businesses. Uh, I was looking for somebody to take all of that stuff away from me and do it for me, but it just isn't happening. I, I've, <laughs> I've come to the realisation that you actually have to get on and learn it. And it's hard for people of our generation because it's not what we grew up with. And sometimes I, think, I think the interesting question for me is people think it's impersonal, but I've found it very personal. Yep. So, you know, people, there's no, there's no ugly people on Facebook, right? So you ever seen an ugly photo on Facebook? <laughs> which, which, no. <laughs> which surprises me. But uh, the interesting thing is when you are um, looking at your computer or looking at your telephone it's way more personal than anything else so people feel that they are talking to you one-on-one -on -one. yes and so i think that's a really important distinction um so i think you know a lot of this uh sort of questionable behavior is because people are actually feel that it's personalized yeah you know and I think like with, with what you're doing with, in the mental health sector and, and getting into corporations and providing them with some, you know, technologies are opening up so many opportunities to, to get your message out there um, and to be able to reach so many more than you can on a one-on-one -on -one basis. Would you agree? Yeah, no, I agree. I think that, um, you know, one of the fortunate things in, in my life is that I don't think one thing is the solution. Like I say... Um, you know, one hug's worth a thousand selfies, <laughs> right? But you still don't not have the selfies, if you know what I mean. Yeah. But I think you've got to continue to drive around managing your imbalance. You know, people always say to me, oh, you know, it's important to have life in balance. Well, balance is actually, for me, um, not successful. Imbalance is successful, mm -hmm. but it's managing that imbalance. So, you know, to stay well mentally, how much time do I need a day to be really, really well? You know, and you've got to work on those things to know if it's 10 minutes or if it's an hour or, if it, you know, whatever that looks like. Um, but, you know, we're not going to change our work days to three hours a day so that we can have a nice balanced life. You no. Know, it's just a happen. 
and I so think, really, for me, the secret is trying to manage your imbalance, you know. And I think as as, as high achievers or you know top end sports people or people who want to achieve great things in life, um, you, you you're never going to find balance because you're always having to strive and to push. And this I mean that's the title of the show is pushing the limits. It's about finding out what you are capable of, but within that realm, that's very very important to take time to back off to take the foot off the pedal occasionally and to, to rebalance yourself within that sort of ambition. I think that's probably a good way of putting it. You can find, you can find your limits, but taking time to take, take the foot off the pedal and enjoy, enjoy things in the moment as well. Yeah, and I, and I think that's a daily thing, not a, you know, I'm, and I often say to you, you know, who's starting the gym on Monday? Who's starting the diet <laughs> on Monday? You know, who's, who's going to save more money on Monday? You know, like, um, for me, wellness is every day, and yep. you need to understand what that looks like on a daily basis rather than, you know, it's no use working like a madman all week and then trying to find time for yourself um, on the weekends, you know, and mm. I think that... So it's finding those find that that five minutes that he... Sorry, yeah, finding those those few minutes to take drink a cup of coffee or to to, to, to give your partner a hug or... Just to take those couple of minutes out every now and again, just to just to find yourself. Yeah, no, exactly. And I mean, one thing that depression really taught me was to go looking for that. Um, mm-hmm. So I really believe that wellness is every day, and um, you know, and I think that if you go looking for stuff where you can, you know, switch off um, for ten minutes, it's like putting your brain through a washing machine. You know, you come out nice and clean. Um, <laughs> And for me, uh, that's how I live. I try and make sure that I make time for those things every single day. Yeah, and it's, it, that's what your in your book is, is repeated over again. Enjoy the little things. Take time out for yourself. You know, it's a lifelong journey to getting to to, to being well. You're not. You don't just suddenly wake up one day and you've you've cracked it and you've got it. And from now on, you're going to be this wise, um, amazing person <laughs> that never has any problems again. Um, but one of the things in your in, uh, your All Blacks Don't Cry book, um, I read, you know, someone asked you, are you fearful that you're going to go back into that state of depression? And you said no, because I now have all the tools in my toolkit to be able to 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 deal with the emotions, to, to deal with what's coming at me, and I've got a, a life philosophy. Tell us a little bit about that life philosophy that helps you cope in those situations when disappointments happen or when, when tragedy happens? Yeah, well, I think, um, I think anxiety is pure fear. And um, fear gets broken into two, a reality or a non-reality. So a lot of my anxiety was around, uh, you know, non-reality. Mm. It just wasn't a reality. My mm. fears were... Um, you know, unrealistic. So they weren't real fears. They were imagined fears and it was my mind paying tricks on me. It didn't make the fear any less. Still drove me shaking to bed, um, scared of everything around me. Mm. But I think um, once I took the fear out of it and I took the fear out of it by accepting it. Okay. So I, I was fighting. I didn't want to be a depressant and I didn't want to be depressed yep. so as sports people and you will understand this and everything that we do we fight yeah 
right? So the coach, we're, we're tired and the coach is, you know, get on with it and go harder. And so we do. So when we can't lift the weight anymore, we just push a little bit harder and we get through those things. That's not what you do with mental health. No. <laughs> but that's what I was doing and that's what I did for a long time. So I think for me, um, you know, the most important thing was to accept that I had this as an issue. And then I'd had so many anxiety attacks that I just said, well, I actually survived, you know, yeah. and that gives you a real strength of a real a real feeling of strength and power. And so, I mean, it didn't happen overnight. I just took the fear out. I just invited the anxiety attacks to me. Um, so when I say I'm not, I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not scared of going back, I'm not because I've taken the fear out of my mental health. So yep. I have an ability to understand um, what is reality and what is not. But also uh, I look after myself every day, you know, yeah. So my my go-tos are cooking um, and my go-to is reading. So that's my meditation. That's my mindfulness. That's my yoga. That's my, yeah. um, you know, that's what I do. And and uh, fitness, which makes me feel incredibly good. Yeah. So so for me, that's that's what I do every single day. You know, so last, last night I read for two hours. So. You know, you imagine looking after yourself for two hours. When was the last time you did that? Yeah, exactly. You know? And finding your your tools that work for you and making that making it happen. Yeah, and I think the most important thing about that is go on that journey of wellness. You know, I did transcendental meditation. I did yo. I tried everything, looking for that thing where I just thought, "Wow, that was cool." Um, and I found. You know, for example, cooking in some of the most stressful situations. So, you know, we're we're uh, we're we're losing. We're nine and zero at the Blues or whatever we were. You know, yep. and I'm thinking, wow, I wonder what I could cook for dinner. <laughs> you know, and I'm thinking, gee, I need to stop and make sure I talk to my butcher about that cut of meat and this cut of meat. And it was just yeah. a a little respite and a pretty awful. You know, situation, mind. yeah. Yeah, so but, it's distracting but it was my yourself. mind just, yeah, my mind just saying, look, there's other things to think about. You don't even, you know. Yeah. So. And putting things in perspective now, the only time that I've had, well, I didn't even have much to do with you. We were doing um, a world record attempt in the Himalayas, uh, Mike Allsop and I, and uh, we were doing a documentary, the world's highest marathon. Do you remember uh, doing yep, an I interview do. for the documentary? Now, that was one of my huge biggest failures in my whole career and um uh, i've been training for that event for a year and a half you know raised a huge amount of money got sponsorships got film crews got all the way over to the himalayas walked for two weeks into base camp and then we climbed kalapatar which was the mountain where we we're going to be starting from and uh, this was you know i don't know 5500 meters or something and it was like minus 20 degrees when we climbed up there three days before and I'm an asthmatic and like going to altitude was always going to be pushing on my limits and I'd done it for the last, you know, few years. So I thought, oh, I'm, I'm ready to have a crack at this. And I got uh, a lung infection after this yep. and it was, uh, I, I fought for three days before the event to try to come back and it, we, the whole time you're at altitude and you're just getting sicker and sicker and sicker. Yeah. And there's six hours That's before life the, threatening. It was life-threatening, yeah. And um, I couldn't even tie my shoelaces, and, and I was in a very bad shape. 
But it was it took all my willpower to pull out of that event. And for me that was a huge, you know, failure, if you like. But six hours before we took we were to take off, I had to say to Mike, You're on your own, mate. I, I, I can't go. If I go, I know that I'll be putting your life on the line and the lives of the Sherpas on the line. Yeah. Um and but for me to um, that was a, that was a huge failure in in my eyes, and I and I was reading in your book about you know getting sacked in Italy and a few years ago now, uh, and how you know it, it it sat on you like an elephant for for twenty four hours before you were able to sort of cope with it. Mm. Um, and for me, it looked took a little bit longer to come back from this one, and you know the 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 fear, the embarrassment, the public shame of of. You know, not even getting to the start line, you know, um, to do this incredible thing that you said you were going to do and then uh, failing quite spectacularly. Um, uh, so much so that, you know, it's all recorded on the documentary. Um, but, you know, that was one of the – I never, ever regret that decision. Um, no. I mean, for, for me, there is no such thing as failure. No. Yeah. The only failure would you would have been for you to give in to your asthma – um, and not try it. Yeah. You yep. know, that, and it was really interesting because I use a pretty strong uh, explanation when I talk about failure because failure is a little bit like death. Um, so when my dad died, who was an amazing man in my life, mm. you know, the first day um, I couldn't believe he was dead and I was expecting him to sit up in the coffin and go, ha-ha, yeah. I'm not dead. Yep. You know, and then the second day, um, I was really angry because I was pissed off. Maybe we should have revived him, and we shouldn't have. I mean, he'd had, th- you know, three triple bypasses, and yep. his heart had had enough. But I was angry that we possibly could have done more. And then the next day, I had a whole lot of um, self doubt about whether I'd been a good son, and you know, stuff yeah. like that. Yep. Um, so, and then the fourth day, I probably had a mix of those emotions. And, and what I realised is that I had to let all those emotions go. Um, because if I don't, then I'm going to rest on one of them. And I don't want to rest on, um, you know, any of them. So when I lost my job at the Blues, it was similar. You know, the first day I couldn't believe it. I thought they were going to ring me up and say, um, oh, it's okay, JK, we're only kidding. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And then the second, day it was, the second day it was bloody Yucko Piper's fault, the prick, you know. Yeah. Third round, if we had won that game, life would have changed and the players are not like they used to be and, Yep. And, um, you know, and then the then the third day was about self-confidence. I'm not a good coach. I'm a shit coach. I shouldn't coach again. You know, I'm useless. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the fourth day I had to say, well, actually, um, you know. What can I learn from this? It's no one's fault. Um, I can't rest on these um, emotions because otherwise I'll either carry, you know, anger forward. I won't, you know, I'll dislike coaches players you know it'll be everyone mm. else's fault um i am a good coach it's just that um you know there's a few things that i didn't do there's a few situations that went against me and that's just life sometimes so yeah. you know I, I don't believe in failure i think through the end of that i'm an incredibly um well-rounded coach and much better than i mm. than i was when i started the process if i had wanted to carry on you know so um, I think failure is not trying. I think failure is giving in to um, your fears yep. and, and, you know, 
I, I think that that's the most important thing. If you can, if you can say, "Well, I gave it my best shot and it didn't work out," well, and you use on. it, like you know, use it as a stepping stone or use it as a learning. I mean, for me, you know, it does. You do have to go through that gambit of those emotions, as you've just explained, and to try to um, to to cope with the with the with the shock of it all. But if if you can get through that as fast as possible, and then turn it down and say, "Well, what did I learn about it?" Um, and what can I take away from this, and what can other people learn about from from this journey that I've you know been on? And for me, the failures that I've had over over my life have always been they're not ones you want to repeat, um, but they're always things that I've come away going, I'm a little bit wiser for it. I'm a little bit better, yeah. and I can share when you share those. Um, what I love about your books and, and about you at all, uh, you know, overall is your willingness to be completely and utterly genuinely open and vulnerable. Vulnerability is something that's so rare. Um, you know, like you say on our Facebook, everyone's beautiful, you know, and life's beautiful and it's all hunky-dory. And, and behind that, the reality looks quite different in each, every person's life. And the more that we can be honest and open about our vulnerabilities, our weaknesses, if you want to call it that, our failures, our, our insecurities, uh, and just talk as, as people to people, I think that's so empowering for the, you know, for the, for the masses out there who are struggling alone in, in the dark and, and can't find a way out. Um, and, and it takes great courage, you know, for someone of your standing, your reputation, your, um, you know, being an all black, like, you, I mean, the, the title of the book says it all, really, all blacks don't cry. Um, and I love, love that because you, you, you're growing up in this macho world and I very much grew up in that world. I mean, I'm a woman, but <laughs> I grew up in that same, with those same in the values in our family where mental toughness, physical toughness, that was what's valued, that's, that's what you had to live up to. Um, yeah. And I... And, I, and I found that very, very hard to admit weakness, and I still find it very hard to to um, to admit any sort of weakness or uh, aging or, or failing or uh, any yeah. of those sort of things. But I know that the more you talk about it and the more I understand the dynamics of it, the more that you're empowering other people to go, well, crikey, she did it or if he did it, maybe it's okay. Maybe that's yeah, normal. Look, yeah, I think that... Um I wrote a book called Stand By Me because I was really concerned about being a good parent, right? Mm -hmm. So one of the best things I learned from from that book was that if you want your kids to grow up and understand life and mental health, what's the what's the best thing you can do? And the best thing you can do is show vulnerability. Mm-hmm. If you show vulnerability, what does that give permission for your kids to do? Exactly the same. Yeah. Exactly. They, they they have permission to be vulnerable. So if you can't be vulnerable, what do you expect your kids to grow up learning? Mm. And so that that was an incredibly important lesson for me because um, your vulnerability normally our strengths are our weaknesses. Yep. So the things that have made us successful are also our weaknesses. And I think I see that right across all sports at the highest level. Um, and often when we get a bit older, it's hard to let go of some of those things. For example, a really simple um, analogy, you know, like uh, you've trained hard all your life 
and that's got you where you're at. But now you're an older athlete. If you keep training like you're training, <laughs> you know. I'm, yeah. I'm facing that one right now. <laughs> yeah. So, it's, you know. Uh, it's not working like it used to work. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> body's exactly. falling to pieces. <laughs> yeah, so I think, I think the whole vulnerability thing um, is, is a really important one because if you show vulnerability, it lets other people show vulnerability. Yeah, and, and at the end of the day, if you can, the people that climb up out of the swamp, if you like, out, out, out of the darkness, out, out of that dark place, have, have then got strengths inside them, and that's what you mean when you say that, you know, your, your weaknesses are your strengths. When you've, when you've actually been through these, these journeys, this depression, these, you know, dark times, or you've come through a crisis or another, that's what makes you a strong person underneath because you're resilient and resilience is key to any success in life. Being persistent and overcoming things and having to fight through things. If you, if, like, if I, as a coach, if you've got two players there and one's just super, super talented but not very disciplined and doesn't know how to take the knocks, and you've got Joe Blow over there who is quite talented but not nearly as much, uh, but he's a fighter, who would you, who would you pick to, to be in your team? Uh, probably both. Yep. So you'd go with a talented guy too, and teach them. Probably some things. both. Yeah, because I think that um, you know sometimes we put life in numbers or in time frames, you know. And I, I, I um, met in a fantastic priest once. Um, during my depression, I had a few issues with God. Um, <laughs> went away from him for a little while and that sort of stuff. And mm-hmm. then I went. I went to a priest in Italy for my premarital stuff. And, you know, he and I challenged him about God and all that sort of stuff. And he told me some really interesting stuff. That's probably another, that's probably another story. But <laughs> yep. um, anyway, after I challenged him a couple of times, he challenged me back and he said, um, tell me why you won't be back. Tell me why you won't be back in three years asking for a divorce like, you know, one out of three are. Yep. Well, I couldn't answer that. And he said to me, um, I've never been married, right? I'm a priest, but let me tell you something. When you get married, when you walk up that altar, the dating's not over, you know? Yep. Uh, it's not the, the working end. on relationships, not over. You've got to keep working on that and you've got to keep, um, you know, you've got to keep on that buying flowers, taking your wife out for, for, for dinner, you know, courting yep. her mm-hmm. and vice versa. And, and I thought that was incredible advice because often we think that um, things are over. Yep. So when you ask me the question of the talented guy um, versus the guy who works hard, the guy who works hard is going to um, always get there because he's got enough talent with his work ethic to get there. Yep. But the guy with, with talent, we can't just leave him behind. You've got to try and teach him worth it, work yep. ethic. Yep. You know, so – my answer in a sporting environment would be to but for both because I believe that um, if you have the right person, they're always open to learning. Yep. Talent is the biggest killer of great sportsmen, though. I do agree with that. Yeah. So I think if you had to, if they're both playing in the same position, you had to make a decision. You'd probably go with the harder worker because you trust them. Yeah. Um, he might not win you the game, but um, you know. So so they're really interesting ones. But I just think the whole the whole thing about um, you know when you're married. That's it. Well, That's no, it's not. It's actually just the start, <laughs> you know. And when you're an athlete, um, 
you know, certainly when, when you make the All Blacks, you better realise that it's just the start. Otherwise, it's going to be someone to take your position. Yeah. Uh, and I think life's similar, you know. I want to continue to grow and, and evolve and get better, um, you know, as a person. So mm. that's an ongoing work on with the faults and, and, and oh. challenges that I have, you know. Yeah, work in progress. I mean, I think um, I'm, I'm quite similar to you, like reading your book and, and um, it, having that desire to be constantly personally growing and never staying stuck in one identity um, and that, that sort of leads me on to uh, a question that I think is, is very topical right now and that's and that's something that I see with my coaching and, and within myself as well is athletes coming to the ends of their active careers um, yeah. or being dropped from a team and they've got uh, what did David Kirk say in one of your books? Um, if your stool's only got one leg to stand on, it's going to fall over. Yes. Um, and I see uh, a real need in sports now for transitioning athletes out out of their active careers and into the real world, if you like. It's a bit like soldiers coming out of a war situation and they're all they've known and all they've trained for. And, you know, we, we're seeing the odd suicide happen Um What's your what's your thoughts around that? How do, how does an athlete regain well, I, I, their you identity? Know, personally, you know, you know, personally, I think the system's wrong. We set the um, modern athlete up for failure. Yep. Right. Because yep. we streamline them at a young age, um, so their focus goes from education to sport, and then we put them in a cocoon where um, some players don't even know how to fill out a a uh, form to get on the plane because that's what the manager does for yeah, them. Yeah. Um, but we hide behind money. Oh, yeah, they're getting paid so we can, you know, yeah. we're not going to get involved in that. They've got enough money to look after themselves. So I believe the system is completely wrong yeah. to create brilliant. Um, so 40 years ago, the guys that played sport held down a job. That we can't do that anymore. No. But they, it was so hard for them. They ended up being community leaders and people that would go on to successful careers. Now what we're talking about is a majority of players that are crashing and burning, um, drugs, you know, really, really lost. That's because of the system we have. Mm. We're not growing a a rounded athlete, but we're hiding behind – we're hiding behind um, job security, the people that are coaching these people or the, or the CEOs and the system that we think's working. Mm. And it's probably working from an athletic point of view. Yeah, it's working right. to, to win the game. but Yeah, so we're delivering a fantastic athlete that's so much better, right? Yeah. But how, what's he doing when he's 30? Yeah. And I think, I think I'd be reasonably relaxed, um, you know, if the guys were earning millions and millions and millions because you sort of go, well, you know. They're going to live a, that but, lifestyle but, anyway. But Yeah, but, but the reality is, you know, if you win lotto and you have no idea about money, um, you're going to lose all that lotto money. So what's different for a young kid that doesn't know how to handle money? Yeah. You know, so I just think, I think the system's all wrong and I just think there's not a lot of honest discussion about the system because everyone's too scared to change the systems. Yeah, I mean, I, I see it like coming from a sport where there's absolutely been absolutely no money and where you've had to, um, you know, like those athletes from, you know, rugby players of 40 years ago, you had to be virtually build the Olympic stadium and train for the Olympics at the same time. Um, yeah. 
And so I learned, but you're much better, much better athlete. You're much better, much rounded, much better rounded, much, as, much as a, more self reliant. Yeah. Um. You know. As, I as think, a, yeah, you had to, you yeah. had to find your way. Like I, I had arguments with my brother. He was a, a you know super twelve player back in the day and uh, played for the Maori and Maori All Blacks and, and so on. And he came up to me once and why are you in the limelight all the time? Why are you in the media all the time with your sport? And why are you searching? We used to hide from the media when we were in the rugby game. And I said, yeah, because everything was laid on the table for you. <laughs> You, you, you had everything done for you. I have, yeah. to, I have to fight. I have to find the sponsor. I have to provide yeah. the value of money. I have to go and knock on yeah. the CEO's door. I have to ring so-and-so. And he didn't get it, you know, and it took him a long time to understand that dynamic. Yeah. Um, and and I, I am grateful for that in that respect because it's taught me how to market myself. It's taught me to be a speaker. It's taught me to be a writer. It's you know, everything that I've yeah. learned, I've learned through that journey of being a, wanting to be an athlete, getting to my events, doing my thing, um, and coming home and then having those skills. But where, what I also find interesting in the, in the rugby world is yeah, their hands are held too much um, in the fact that everything's done for them. And, and learning an appreciation for that, the way it is, but then teaching them the skills to transition back into the into the world. Um, yeah, well, yeah, I, I don't. I, I think the them doing everything when they're at the highest level. I understand that because it's about performance. But it's how how quickly we give that to them and their pathway to get there. Yeah. So if you're a good student, but you don't finish your um, teacher's training college because uh, it's too tough um, and you end up at 32 and you don't have anything and you talk to your mates and at 32 some of them are CEOs of companies or they're 10-year um, teachers, yep. you know, you've got to start again. Yeah. And, you know, what I say to people is if you are earning $100,000 a year, right, uh, you need to retire with $2 million or $3 million in the bank just to get that paid. Yeah. Sustain right. it. So if you're <laughs> a earning a hundred grand, less tax, less living expenses. I doubt if you're saving more than thirty a year. No. So you have to pay for twenty years, right? Yep. yep. Saving thirty grand. You know what I mean? Yeah. So so doesn't um, add up, eh? So you... it doesn't add up. It doesn't add up. Now, if you are and 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 what people think about professionals is they see the top guys, you know. Yeah. Um. So I'm sure Dan Carter will be okay. I'm sure Richie McCaw will be okay. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm just saying financially now, not saying yep. mentally, you know, still when the lights go down and, and, and people stop calling you, it's still an adjustment. Yep. It's still a mental adjustment, but add that to being unemployable. I add that to, you know, I don't have, a, I'm, I'm used to a $200,000 lifestyle and now I'm, I'm earning mm. 20, Mm. You know, so there's a lot of things I think that we can change to set up our players better. But I don't think it's during their high performance career. I think it's pre yep. and post. Um, a very dear friend of mine, um, you know, who passed away said, just make sure that they are all qualified. Yeah, in they something have but something. Rugby. Yeah. 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 You know, so, so that takes a mindset change from the leadership. And the leadership um, – would be scared to make those changes. But yeah, surely they, I mean, I can understand that for most of the leaders, it's about, you know, today and getting the getting to the championship and winning whatever the next thing is. 
but surely they are worried about the welfare of their, their players and the future or, you know, the next generation of players yeah. coming through. Yeah, and look, talking about it like we are, and I think they're doing some great things. Um, I just don't believe in academies. Yep. You know, I, yep. I, I believe in actually the American system, you know, where you've got to go to university or college and you've got to study and you've got to pass a certain amount. Yep. And I know there's people that rip that off, you know, yep. or people yep. who stay in college only two years, but they go to contracts of 30 million. Mm. But I just think higher learning. And I'm not saying, look, I'm a butcher, you know. Yep. Um, I'm not saying you have to be a doctor, but. Being a butcher's fine. Yeah, you know having what I mean. A trade, having what, a, whatever, whatever that looks like, but it just gives you that balance in your life, and it's really tough. But like, like I say to people, yeah, it's tough until you're 24, and then <laughs> you've actually got a career and um, something behind you. So I just think the pathway around the academies and all that sort of stuff needs to be really, really addressed. Yep. And it starts in schools. I mean, having having sport on on television now just accelerates the problem. Yep. You know, these guys are superstars at 16, which means that you've got all the scouts, which means that people are coming and, you know, yeah. offering you the world. And, the um, and sometimes awesome. they end up giving you an atlas, you know, that's all you get. <laughs> yeah. And then at the other end of the scale, what about changing the identity? Like uh, something that I've been struggling with the last couple of years is, is the body's not doing what it's meant to be doing. Um, you know, transitioning out of that active career, who then am I if I'm not a crazy ultramarathon runner. Who then am I if I'm not that rugby player? Um, well, yeah, I mean, I think, and they are really, really... So the mental side of the game is to uh, really talk about those things because, um, you know, I've, I've identified success and failure through how I played, um, you know, on the weekend, and it sent me into a depression. Yeah. So I didn't know who I was because I made it at 18 and I identified myself solely through myself as a rugby player mm. um so that's a process that's yeah. a process that you need to learn and you need to detach yourself from that and um, you can't you know, stay at you are, top you, end can you you can't you can't hold it forever you know you, you well the average uh, the average uh length of a career is four years crikey in rugby, and the that's, super that's the superstars short. that we talk about um exceed that yeah so you know the Carters, the McCaws. That's amazing. But if you have a, but if you have a look um, at the highest level, and New Zealand is probably the best at it because the All Blacks have such a fantastic um, organisation at the moment about care and looking after their people, and it's harder to get out of the All Blacks than it is to get in it. But you know what I always say is, um, you know, name me the '87 World Cup, name me the '91 World Cup. You know, I bet you'd be able to name three or four. Yep. And they are probably the people that could survive um, outside the game. So name the probably a bit fresher, probably a little bit easier, but name me the 2011 um, World Cup team off the top of your head. Oh, people go, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, people go, oh, McCaw, um, Carter, uh, Reed. Uh, oh, did that, did that guy did, play? Yeah, yeah. Did, did so-and-so play? And, and I think that's a reflection on on – our times and, and what sport's all about, yeah. you know. Um, as people, we'll always remember, as rugby purists, we'll always remember, but the general public doesn't. So yeah. those people will normally have a life after rugby. The other, um, you know, 20, the, others, the other 19 yeah. are probably going to go back to making sure that they need to, you know, 
Yeah, that um, they've, they've got to put food on the table for their family the next week and when their career's yeah, over. When their career's over. Yeah. So all that, all that um, you know, the, the most important thing is to teach resilience before you need it because yeah. resilience comes from pretty shitty times. Yeah, <laughs> <You know? laughs> it sure does. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> that's what I always say. To teach our people uh, the tools for when you're having a shitty time and that's called the tools are called resilience. Yeah, you know, that, that's my um, my biggest uh, thing that I like to talk about is is resilience and persistence and and getting back up when you've been knocked down. Um, in, in my early twenties, I you know, uh, like a couple of years ago. <laughs> yeah, thanks very much, JK. <laughs> <laughs> I'm closer to fifty now, um, but um, well, you know, the fifties and the new thirties. Yeah, you exactly. Know yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> We, we, we'll, uh, we, you know, we'll just keep colouring the year. So I keep telling myself. Yeah. <laughs> oh, definitely. I'm still. I still feel like I'm 20 in my head, at least. <laughs> Body doesn't want to do it. But in my early 20s, I had a, a complete mental breakdown, and um, for me, I uh, I was in an abusive relationship for five years that really took its massive toll on me. Um, and physically and mentally took its toll because we did a lot of adventure stuff and he actually left me while I was crossing the Libyan desert <laughs> back in 1997 and that was a turning point in my life and it took me years to recover that and sport and and the adventures that I went on um, helped me rebuild myself from the ground up, from the absolute yep. ground up. But I yep. did use it as a, a crutch, you know. I did use it as a, um, to the excess. It was my way of dealing with the pain was to run and to run yep. and to run. Um, yep. And now, you know, years later it developed. So I, wa- I really wanted to prove something to somebody and to be able to show people that, you know, or show this particular person that I wasn't useless, even though he was long gone out of my life. Um, yeah. So but, he was still abusing you from long distance. <laughs> yeah, you were. Well, in he your was, brain. He was long gone, but it, it took in me your a brain. good, good mm. 10, 15 years to to get that out of my um, system and out of my the way I was. And mm. then it, it can morph into something beautiful, you know. Then, then it's no longer about proving to so-and-so. It's about doing things for others. And for me, it, it, the, the passion turned to doing it for charities, for making a difference in the world and, you know, yeah, doing all the cool things. But that going through that horrible, horrible dark journey where and people look at you now and what you've done and what you've achieved and they go, oh, wow, you know, that's amazing or whatever. Um, but they don't, they didn't see you on the bones of your ass. They didn't see you um, yeah. where, you know, the, it was so dark that you didn't want to be here anymore um, and, and climbing out of that hole. But it can be done. Um, and if if you and, and, and I can stand up and, you know, as sports people and say hey this is what happened to us and this is how we coped with it I think that that is is incredibly empowering to to everyone else yeah and I also think that um you know one of the greatest things in life is to be a great parent right so a great all black's a great all black a great uh, distance runner's a great distance runner but also a great parent so I say to people in normal life yep you know you look at sports people and um, and and we achieve, but just being great at what you do is achievement. Yeah, you know exactly. So we Greatness. were driven to be we were driven to be great at what we did and whatever those motivations were. But yeah. um, you know, greatness being an I say being an All Black is not solely for All Blacks. 
You know, you can be the all black of mums. You can be the all black of dads. You can be the all blacks of, of, of charity. You, you know, it's just about being the best that you can be every day. That's what an all black is, yep. you know. So you're the best that you can be every single day, yeah. right? And yep. what we got taught was at the end of the day, look back and if you, you know, if you'd given 100%, sleep well. If you didn't, you got to say to yourself, well, tomorrow I just need to get up and go again. And some days, you know, when I do that, yeah, I've given 60% instead of 100. But over a month, you know, you end up giving more hundreds than you do 60s or 70s, which yep. gives you a winning month. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, 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 totally. Um, but, I, but I also say to people, don't let super achievement um, get you down. Because one of the greatest things a child needs is complete um, all black mums and dads yep. from a, an attitude point of view or encouragement or, you know, like you say, giving to other people. So, you know, someone who's an all black of raising money and raises money, you know, they save lives. Yeah. That's way better than winning a test match. Yep. I totally you know? agree. There is one of the things in your book, you talked about your, your dad and, and that he was a great man. And he was a butcher, and he was a great man, and he was a great parent to you, and he, um, and that's what your your definition for greatness was, and um, and I just that totally resonated with me. It isn't about being high profile. It's not about being famous. It's not about being wealthy, or a talented sports person. It's it's giving more than you take, and it's being. I mean, I haven't got children, but. For me, it's um, my family, my husband, my, my parents, my, my brothers. They are the ones that will get 100% and my friends, 100% yep. from me. Um, that doesn't mean you don't have to concentrate on your, I want to be the greatest athlete ever. That's in one box. And I, yep. think, I think what sometimes we do is we um, – so when, when I was dead, right, and I was dead, so – when I wanted to die because I was so depressed. Yep. Um, and that's where I have the saying, enjoy the little things. Yep. Because I had to start again. And mum told me that if you don't sit and enjoy a cup of coffee for the beauty of the coffee or tea or whatever it is, um, then you're not going to enjoy anything. So if, you were, if I was dead, I could start again. So I just started by feeling the shower. Yep. You know? by sitting down and enjoying the coffee, okay? Yep. And then as I started building, um, you know, I put my life in boxes. So my work box was I still want to be a great all black. So what do I need to do to achieve that? But I'm not going to achieve that by sacrificing what I need to be in the, the best husband I can be box or the best dad I can be box or, you know, I want to be successful outside the game. They're still box is as important as the other box but yep. you need to bridge right mm -hmm. so right now i might need to talk you know if you're a sportsman you might need to talk to your partner about your relationship because you're going to be away three months a year you know yeah doesn't mean so how are we going to do that are we going to skype are we going to, you know I, I don't need to feel the pressure while i'm away because i know i've left you but you know this is what we're you know so there's a whole lot of different bridges that you need to bridge back and forth from those boxes yep. but one shouldn't take away from the other but how do you cope you know? with every like being um, good at everything, um, like giving and having something left in the in the in the box for yourself, if you like? Um, yeah, well, that, I have that box. You have that. I have I have that the me, me box. box, and that's yeah, okay. and, and what, yeah, and and totally. I mean, reading, 
and cooking is my box, right? Yeah. And because I had to marry my box with my family box, um, if I love cooking, my wife's pretty happy about that and so are the kids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. So I get this incredible enjoyment out of cooking and I'm not that good at it, but it doesn't really matter. But I'm in the kitchen and my wife comes home and I'm cooking. Well, she's yep. pretty happy. So, so it, 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 doesn't it answers a couple of boxes. Now, I'm not a chef. I'm actually pretty useless, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah, it's not um, the point. <laughs> it's not the point. It's not the point. And, you know, what is greatness? Greatness is measured – and this is really interesting in sports like yours. Um, so greatness is measured in sport, um, probably through the All Blacks. Yep. Right? But but you're great, you know. Um, our rowers are great. Yeah, different. Our, but, We're just different. You know, just different. And, and what they've had to do to get there is probably five times harder than <laughs> – but that doesn't – you don't take one away from the other. And sometimes in one of your boxes, you're going to have to – say, I can only do three things in this box because I'm actually totally committed to the other box. So I want to be a sports person. Well, I need to train for five hours a day. Yep. So how am I going to study or what am I going to do? But yeah. once you get those boxes sorted and you communicate them with the right people, there's a huge understanding around how you're going to do it. Yeah, and prioritizing it. You need help all the time with yeah. it, you know? Yeah, yeah. and finding... Um you know, and, and realizing too that as an athlete, it is only one. It is only a game. Rugby's only a game. Running's only. It's not the world, and that there is more outside of that. Um, yeah, I, I I don't know if I agree with that. And I, the only reason I don't know if I agree with that is because um, it's not. It's not a game. No, not not when you're doing it. Not when you. You know, people play oh, social real. sport, yep. but yeah, like, so um, it's a religion, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, so yeah. it's a little bit more than a game, so it's but you've got to manage your imbalance, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. So that's the secret, because if you are a uh, golfer, you can probably play from the age of 25 to 60, yep. but most sports have a very small so you need to totally commit to it, but you also need to get that imbalance right. So I know I'm going to go to the gym for four hours a day because I'm a rugby player. I know I'm going to train for two hours, but actually, what what am I going to do for the rest of the day to keep my imbalance in check? Yep. Um, you know, so <laughs> it, it can't. If you want to be successful, it can't just be a sport. I don't believe. No, no, no. I didn't mean it more until like you that. retire. Yeah. <laughs> and then, you know what I mean? No, I think more. It though. is just a sport, but to be successful in it, it needs you to be. You have to give it your yeah. all. Yeah. You have to give yeah, exactly. it your all. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, no, definitely. And when you, um, like, I had a, a situation this last year where my mum uh, had an aneurysm and, wow. it, uh, yeah, was left uh, severely, severely disabled. Um, wow. On the brink of, you know, death, and, and, and we brought her back from that. And my whole world just changed. My whole priorities just changed where it no longer became a you know because she's the one that followed me around for the last 48 years basically <laughs> looking yeah. after me chasing me around following me looking yeah. at, you know doing whatever needed to be done so that I could be yeah. this athlete and then all of a sudden it yeah. was like oh uh, my world's just turned upside down and I couldn't give a two hoots about the next race um, yeah. and it, but everything that I learnt as an athlete and all those skills I've been able to apply in her rehabilitation. And now she yep. is my athlete and I'm her coach. And 
She awesome. works every How's she single, doing? Oh, mate, she's she's beaten all the odds. She's beaten all the odds. She's now Brilliant. come back from having virtually no higher function, um, no no hardly any speech, no recognition of who I was, or anything like that, to being completely normal. Um, wow. And um, the only thing she has trouble with is her balance, so she can only walk short distances. And we work every day. I have a six-hour routine with her that I that I take her through every single day and every you know every person every doctor everything that we came to said she would never make it she's not going to do it she's never you know put her in a rest home you're not going to be able to care for her um but because i'm used to beating the odds if you like and pushing against what's the perceived limitations of what people can do um i you know she's and she's a fighter that's key she has to, she's had to want to fight back. She's now got her amazing quality of life back. You know, we've still got bits and pieces to get, but um, and that journey has completely reprioritized my whole world and my whole life to what's important. Brilliant. You know, family is important. Every taking her today and spending an hour. You know, we went and had as a whole family together and had a coffee which is a rarity because we're all in the country at the same time it's rare awesome and you know those special moments that you get where you get to treasure <laughs> those when you when you look at your mum and you go when well, you nearly weren't here and there you are enjoying it with yeah. it, you know and, and you got to and, take those moments yeah and it's really really important that um you know my dad said to me um if you died tomorrow, would you be happy? Hmm. And hmm. the answer, and he said, look, I know you're going to say you don't want to die tomorrow, and I, no one wants you to die tomorrow, and you want to see your kids, kids grow up and that sort of stuff. But if you died tomorrow, would you be happy? And I said, I can't really answer that, Dad. Do I need to go and wait and think about it? And he said, okay, go away and think about it, but I want you to think about this as well. Do not learn to live by touching death. Yeah. And hmm. I went away, and both those questions really, hmm. um, really difficult to answer. But I went back, and the next day, and I said, "No, Dad, I'm not happy to die tomorrow, but I'm, I want to, I want to change that. So I'll, I'm gonna if I die tomorrow, it. if I die tomorrow, I'd be happy. Yep, yep. All right? Yep. I wouldn't be because my, I want to want to see my kids grow and grandkids, all that sort of stuff. But actually, but you're I'm happy with what you've done, yeah. who you were, who you and, are. Yeah, and, that, and and I think that's really important. And Dad said, look, I had my first heart attack at 59, and that's when I started living. Mm. So don't touch death to learn how to live, you mm. know? Yeah. Um, it's really, really important to live every day. And not to get caught up in the, the busyness of life sometimes. And, and once again, it comes back to that enjoy the little things. Take there's those a beautiful moments. Yeah, there's a beautiful word in Italian called consapevolezza. Mm-hmm. And there's two words I love in Italian, consapevolezza and tranquillo. So consapevolezza is an understanding of where you're at. Okay? Yep. So you must understand when you're busy because you must stop then. <laughs> you know? Yep. You must understand when you're – and it happens all the time. I, you still break your own rules, right? Yeah. Um, but it's really, really important that you have an understanding of where you're at and what you need to make sure that you live today. Yep. So self-awareness. Um, yeah, it's a self-awareness. It's an understanding. It's a self-awareness of you. And then tranquilo means to stay tranquil. Mm. And I think tranquil 
sounds better in Italian, doesn't it? Tranquillo. It does. It sounds you know, beautiful. Tranquil is a word we don't use in, in English, but when you think about it as a word, um, that's how I want to be. Yeah. Calm on the inside. Just calm. Yeah, just yeah. calm. Really tranquil about things. And if you, if you do that, um, then... You know, you shouldn't mm. feel the anger rising up or, you know, the self-doubt. I mean, one of my um, pretty big uh, sort of warning signs when, I'm, when I know I'm going too hard is I start getting self-doubt. Yep. You know? And you know you got to pull back. Yeah, I know that I'm going too hard. So I know when I'm doing that, I need to just chill a bit. Yeah, yeah. I have um, moments, you know, with you know, trying to run companies and look after mum or you know, whatever you're doing, um, where I start getting angry and irritated and and, yeah. and snapping, and then I know, whoa, 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 I'm starting to not be a nice person, <laughs> be around, yeah. and to pull my head back in and go and have a yeah. sleep, go and have a, uh, yeah. and and it's counterintuitive because. Like I said, everything in my value systems, what I was taught was push and push and push harder and go harder yep. and do more and be better. Um, so it's a very, very hard lesson, I think, uh, especially for athletes to learn or executives or high-functioning, high-achieving people to, mm-hmm. to take that step off the accelerator because otherwise you're going to blow up and you're going you're yep. to burn out. Um, and, yeah. and, and, and all, you know... It always just comes back to me to family and love and why am I doing this? If I'm rushing around trying to make money, trying to be successful in this, I mean, who am I doing it for? I'm, I'm, you know, you're saying it to yourself that you're doing it for your family. You're doing it for your family. Uh, but sometimes if it's at the cost of your family's, um, you know, you snapping at your family or you being short-tempered or you being irritable or whatever it is, then uh, maybe you're being counterproductive um, and that's a lesson that I think I have to learn um, definitely. Yeah, well, I think there's, um, I think if we come back to the word consapevolezza, you know, yeah. mm. um, I think if you understand that ego is a real good strength and a really big weakness. <laughs> well, so put. if you're, well if put. you're, if you have an understanding of what your ego needs, um, you need to make sure that your ego box has the right things in it. Because if you are doing things for your ego for the wrong reason, then you're going to be, you know, heading in the wrong direction. And yeah. Things are going to, turn to fail. <laughs> yeah, turn to custard. Turn yeah. to custard. Um, yeah. And a lot of th- one of the things that I'm seeing is so much in, in the people that I'm coaching, and obviously I coach a lot of uh, runners and, and ultramarathon runners and short distance runners, uh, is adrenal fatigue. Um, and I think this, it's very prevalent in our world now is that we are all going too hard out trying to be more, achieve more, you know, this hungry, hungry hippo type mentality. We've got to have more, be more. Um, it, it's, it's something that's very, very important to be able to take that, that time out and that all comes back to finding that balance and imbalance, as you said. <laughs> yeah, I think sports people are really interesting because if you take them the, the latest multivite, they won't ask you too many questions. You'll probably get them down their throats. Yep. Um, but if you say, <laughs> you know, if you say, if you say things like, well, you need to do some meditation, some meditation or, yeah. yeah, or go and have a sleep every afternoon. Oh no, no, I need to train Can't a bit harder, you know. So, yeah, exactly. um, it's it's really interesting. Perception perception is an amazing thing, you know. Like I mm. say, there's 24 hours in a day, 
So how am I going to slow those 24 hours down? Mm, instead of um, trying to rush through them. To yeah, exactly. Get, so, and get um, to the next you know, I eat very late. I eat at 8 o'clock at night because I find that, you know, um, work doesn't finish at 6. No. And sometimes I don't want to start at 8 in the morning. So if I start at 10 and work till 8 at night, who cares? Yeah, that's exactly how I operate. You, you, some, yeah. and, and some people, you know, are always telling you, you've got to go to bed early and get up early. But that, that's not your way I'm not of a morning operating. person. I, no. hate, I hate the mornings. <laughs> oh, you know, I, like I was reading till 2 o'clock last night. So See, that gives me permission to be as I am too because I'm exactly the same. I'm still operating at 1 o'clock in the morning. I'm often quite often working and doing my best yeah. work. Uh, but then don't get me up at seven um yeah not a good person (laughs) hey look uh, john i've taken enough of your very precious time um but i'd just like to say thank you for being a wonderful wonderful role model uh you're a role model for me uh, as a sports person as a as a as a human being um and everything that you've done you the amount of time that you give to to things like this podcast to depression.org to everything else that you do thank you very much uh, on behalf of everybody listening, I think um, you're a great man. You are a great man. And, um, you know, we're very, very grateful for having this special time with you. Um, is there any sort of last words that you'd like to leave the listeners with? Some last gems of Stati wisdom. Tranquilo. <laughs> Stati <Beautiful>. tranquilla. <laughs> <laughs> yep, go and be tranquil. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, oh. exactly. You're an absolute um, hero to us all, and thank you very much, John, for taking the time out today. You're welcome. That's it for this episode of Pushing the Limits with your host, Lisa Tamati. Please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe, and share all this goodness with your networks so we can impact more lives with positive insights and inspiring conversations. And check us out online at www.lisatamati.co.nz. That's it for this episode of Pushing the Limits with your host, Lisa Tamati. Please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe and share all this goodness with your networks so we can impact more lives with positive insights and inspiring conversations. And check us out online at www.lisatamati.co.nz.